Good morning. Now, I have to tell you that in every society, there are people who are on the inner circle and others are out. It's just a fact of life. And I hate to break it to you, but it happens even here at Echo Church. You see, there's some inner circles here. As you can see this first example, some of us here at Echo Church root for the best college basketball team around, and others of you are just missing out. Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. And I know it's football season, but I'm over football. Some of us here are Marvel fans. Even better, we're Captain America and Agent Peggy Carter fans. Some of you could care less. That's fine. Some of us here have had a spontaneous pneumothorax. And that means our lungs just have the ability to randomly collapse for no apparent reason. Others of you, you have not. Don't be jealous. It's fine. We're special. And finally, some of us have recently become friends with sloths. I hope you all get to someday. It's very special. So even in Jesus' time, there was inner circles and then there are those who are out. And today we're going to talk about one of these groups of people where Jesus, you don't have to have grown up in church to know that Jesus made a difference to people. He spoke with those on the inner circle, but he also ministered to those outside. And his goal in every conversation was to show that everyone was valuable. Now we've been going through our series, Jesus and, looking through the gospels. And so far we've talked about Jesus and Satan, how Jesus overcame temptation, and how people are tempted to act sometimes more like Satan than Jesus. We talked about Jesus and God, the mystery of the Trinity, how they're two separate but interconnected, cooperated bodies. We talked about Jesus and family last week, how we all struggle and we are all blessed by our family tree, but Jesus makes us family with one another. So today we're talking about Jesus and women. And you might know that women were on the outside of some circles in Jesus' day. But as he did his whole life, we're going to examine the way he interacted with females and realize the dignity and the value that he brought to them. So there's many examples we could look at, but the ones that I picked today fall into three categories of the way Jesus treated women. The first thing we want to look at is that Jesus treated women with dignity. Now, we're going to be moving around in the book of Luke and John, and I'll put the scriptures here on the screen for us. The first example we have is a widow. Jesus came across a funeral one day. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier that they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise of God. A great prophet has appeared among us. Now, there's two things here. I love how it said that the Lord's heart was touched. He interacted with this woman with compassion. He noticed her mourning and he treated that with dignity and he brought her joy again. But 
there's another part to the story. Because women were vulnerable in society because part of their resources was usually dependent upon males. So we see that this was a widow, so she had already lost the stability of her husband in her life, and then her only son had died. So therefore, she was vulnerable again. So not only did he restore her grief, but he restored her stability with his, this miracle. Next, I want to look at an example in the synagogue setting. A woman was there in the synagogue who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now this is a lovely setting, and I want to note that Jesus approached this woman. She didn't come to him for healing. He saw her and went out to her. And of course, it didn't help that the leadership did not appreciate this miracle because he did it on the Sabbath. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? What an analogy that they would untie an animal and this woman had been bound physically, spiritually for years. I just find that a beautiful miracle. But also, it was a way of Jesus being among the inner circle and saying, this is how to treat the people around you. Because he went into this messy moment where he knew he was going to get scorned because of the Sabbath traditions of the day. And doing this miracle brought about negativity. Yet he called her a daughter of Abraham. He brought her dignity because not only did this daughter of Abraham language mean that she was a Jewish person, but that she was a child of God. And Jesus was representing the Father and saying, this is my child and I care for her and I want her to be whole. Finally, I wanna look at a third woman and I'm going to summarize this little bit here. There was a dinner party Jesus was invited to at a Pharisee's house. And a woman showed up. She hadn't been invited. And all we know about her is that she was sinful. Whatever she had done, she had gotten a reputation in her community. And she showed up and she began to cry. She cried on Jesus' feet. She kissed Jesus' feet. She anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. Now, it's a little bit awkward. She wasn't invited. She's known to have a reputation. So even though Jesus is God, I have to feel that he might feel, as a human, still a little bit awkward here. This is kind of a messy situation. But he accepts her worship. He dwells in this moment. And then he speaks up for her. He said, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. 
And then there it says, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. So he took the mess and he honored her. He recognized that she was sinful, that he didn't deny that, but he still accepted her worship anyway and lifted her up among others and said, she's an example of true worship here and I accept it and I forgive her sins. Now, treating others with dignity, as we can see, gets messy. Because if we want to treat other people with dignity, we have to draw close. And people are not always comfortable to draw close with. And I have to admit that there's times when I feel more like I step back first before I step forward. But I'm thankful that there's examples that I know of people who step in. One, one group that I can think of is Steve's parents, my in-laws, Margaret and Ken Carr. I watched them care for someone who was in their own family, his grandfather, when he had a stroke. And for years they cared for him. And we all know how the elderly can be treated and people who are ill can be treated in our society. But they spent years sacrificing time and energy to care for him and give him dignity at the end of his life. And I know some of you in this very room, you work with people on the outside of society who have addictions, who have done crimes. There's children who are not being treated with dignity in their own home and you've chosen a workplace and you've given your lives in order to care for them and bring them dignity. And I know it's taken sacrifice, but please know that your actions have not gone unnoticed and that you are modeling this same dignity that Jesus gave to the women in his day. Next, let's look at a second thing that Jesus did. He trained women. Now, I got excited about alliteration today, so my, this is my TR word here, but basically, Jesus wasn't afraid to have spiritual conversations with women just as he did men. And in this day and age, the women were given less spiritual education than men, so it was a big deal. The first example I'm gonna look at was the woman at the well. Now, I've given a whole talk one time about the woman at the well, so here I just wanna abbreviate her story and say, Jesus met a stranger, she wasn't even Jewish, she was Samaritan, and when she asked him a question, he was willing to respond. He admitted that he was the Messiah, and he talked about some things in depth with her. It wasn't a casual conversation. Here, he described, a time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. This isn't just a, hi, how are you, water cooler conversation. He went in depth because he could see that she sought that out. And even though he was a male alone with a woman talking, it was okay. He trained her through his words. The next example that we have is Mary. Now, Mary and Martha might be a story that you guys have heard before. Sometimes that we're given the example that Martha was busy and Mary sat at Jesus' feet and that we should not be busy, but we should sit. Well, I wanna look at something different. So the story here is that Jesus and his disciples showed up at Mary and Martha's home. And Martha was doing all the preparations and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. 
Now, Martha was doing what women did. You prepared the house. You made food if people were coming over. Jesus and 12 hungry teenage boys were showing up at your house. You need food. So here she's doing all these things, and that was important, but Mar Mary was making a different choice. And it wasn't that she was just lazy and decided to sit down. She was saying, okay, I know that women are supposed to be serving and helping in that way, but I really want to listen to Jesus. Wouldn't you? So she sat with the guys, and Jesus said that was okay. That's a big deal. She got to learn from him, and he was okay with it. But here's the neat part that just clicked with me this week. I have heard the story of Mary and Martha my whole life growing up in church, but you know what I never put together? There's another example later of Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died. Spoiler alert, Jesus raises him from the dead, but what I never noticed was a conversation Jesus had with Martha. Right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, Martha comes out to meet him and she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He said, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus tells her, I'm the resurrection and the life. She says she believes you are the Messiah. You know what I think? I think Martha hasn't just been cooking and cleaning anymore. I think she's been listening. Because look at the depth of this conversation. She's talking about the resurrection. She's talking about him being the Messiah. I think she's been learning and listening just like her sister. And so that excited me. Mary learned from Jesus, or Martha learned from Jesus too. Now, maybe you guys have a favorite professor or teacher or mentor in your life. And why do you think that they were important to you? Not just because of what they taught you, but when someone teaches you something and trains you, it's because they believe in you. And I feel like that the woman at the well and Mary and Martha must have felt that encouragement. That when Jesus talked to them, it wasn't just a regular conversation. It meant that he believed in what they could do with what he taught them. And so I encourage you, because I'm sure you are in mentoring or teaching situations with young people in your life. When you have confidence in them, it makes a world of difference. The final thing we want to look at is that Jesus trusted women. And there's two examples here. And the first one, it can seem rather innocuous. You know, sometimes we have like a list of names of people. And I usually skim over that part. I'm like, okay, there's some people there. Let's get to the plot. But recently, in recent months, I looked at this verse in Luke. And it's a list of people. But now it means something more to me. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town to village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. First of all, this gives me a different picture of Jesus because I think I often just see him and 12 guys wandering from town to town. But this kind of gives me a sense that he's got an entourage, that other people were following and believing and learning from him, and among them was a dedicated group of women. And so that changes my perspective a little. Also, if you notice, these women were helping to support him out of their own means. 
first of all, excited that they had their own means, because we just talked about that women were often dependent upon the men in their lives. Somehow these women had their own means and they gave it to Jesus's ministry. So Jesus trusted women to support his ministry, to make it happen, to be able to travel from town to town. And even though he was a spiritual leader at the time, it didn't demean him any to accept help from females. This excites me. And you know what? The next example is the same thing. A passage that I've heard for years and now it took on some new meaning. Because Jesus trusted women throughout his whole life and another example happens right at the resurrection. You may have heard it at Easter that as the tomb was empty after he had died and been buried and who arrived first with some women. In particular, John tells us that Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb and seen it empty. And in this interaction, we hear that Jesus appeared in the garden and she didn't recognize him at first. But then he said her name, Mary, and that's when she realized who he was. And he had a message for her. He had a task for her to do. Do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary went to the disciples with this news. Now, first, a woman got to be the first one to tell the resurrection message. Jesus trusted her. And you know what I feel like might have been another subversive part of this action? Perhaps Jesus was trying to communicate to his 12 and say, believe Mary, trust her. This is an example that they could put into practice. She was the one to tell them. And when you look at other gospels, it says that they didn't believe her at first. They had to see for themselves, which someone just came from the dead, so maybe I can understand that. But I think they needed this lesson because they were getting ready to start the church. Jesus was going to leave, and it was these guys who were going to have to take on the mantle of ministry. And you know what? They couldn't do it alone. They needed to trust fellow followers to support, to be the church together. And that included women. And maybe in this action, Jesus was trying to demonstrate, it's okay. I am speaking through all of you and I trust Mary, you can trust her too, trust each other. Now trust is a hard thing to come by. It's not easy. And I don't know if you guys are the personalities that trust easily or if you're more guarded. But either way, we're called to trust each other. And coming here at Echo, we're not just called to sit by each other in the pews. We're called to go and serve and to show God's love outside of these doors. There's a city that needs us and we have to work together and we need to be able to trust one another. And so that's my prayer that we can grow to trust each other. Just as Jesus brought his first church together. Now, I have to admit that we're in a time in society where trust is hard to come by especially between males and females. And I can't go this whole time and not reference the fact that there's something going on in our culture right now. And in the Supreme Court nomination, we have a woman 
who was not treated with dignity in her past, and a man who's saying, trust me. It's really hard to do and really hard to figure out. And all I want to do is be angry sometimes, and so I turn the news off. But I was very thankful that during all of this, I have been digging into God's word. And I'm glad that I was studying for this message because I kept reading over and over. There was a man who loved women, who cared for women, who trusted them, and he was God. And he values all of us. And so when I hear about people who misbehave in politics or Hollywood or even the church, I just wanna be fearful and I wanna distrust all men. But then God reminds me of the people in my life I can trust. And I just wanna say to the men here in this room at Echo Church, thank you. You are men that I can trust. And this church has been around for 13 years and I have never felt negativity here as a female. I have served alongside you. I have gotten to stand here and speak to you. And I've just felt like a brother and sister in Christ. I've just felt like a person. And I thank you because you have loved and supported and wanted women in this church to use their all for God. We need you here and I know the world out there needs you too. Because there's some women out there who are afraid in their workplaces or in their schools or in their own homes. And I pray that you can demonstrate Jesus' love just like you do inside here with us. Please do that outside, and I know you do, because there's other girls and women who need to see Jesus' true love modeled. So thank you, men. And to the women here, let's lean on one another. And when negativity comes our way, we can respond in God's truth as well as his grace. We can respond in his strength as well as his humility. There's some great group of ladies here and I pray that you would, let's keep coming together and strengthening one another. And finally, to all of us here, we've all felt on the outside of a circle, right? At some point in our lives, and probably right now in some ways, we feel some negativity toward us. We feel like we should be on the inner circle by now and we're not. But we can stop and look and realize We've got a lot of privileges in our life too. We are in some inner circles that other people are out. We have some resources that other people don't. And so we need to recognize we're not the only ones who've been hurt. There are some people worse off than us and we need to reach out. We can't just be excited for our own inner circle achievement. We need to make sure other people are drawn in because we are supposed to be the example of Jesus. And what we do sends a message to the world and I want us to send a message of love and unity and value to all people. Let's treat others with dignity. Let's train them and trust them because we all belong in God's inner circle. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us no matter who we are, what we look like, where we've come from. You love us 
and you've given us abilities to serve you. You've given us a gift of value and of love and of salvation. And we don't want to hold on to that message just on our own. Help us to show your love so that others may know how much you value them too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.